Join Thomas Live on Sunday, June 9th for a free online gathering. Reconnect to the essence of life. Practices for embodying the wisdom of the soul. Thomas will explore how we can grow our capacity to be present and spacious in the current moment. And he'll share grounding spiritual practices to help us find the wisdom, agency, and purpose to be in a deeper alliance with life. Visit the link in this episode's show notes to sign up for the free event and submit a question for Thomas. We hope to see you there. Welcome to Point of Relation with Thomas Hubel, a podcast that illuminates the path to collective healing at the intersection of science and mysticism. In his conversations with visionaries, innovators, artists, and healers, Thomas invites guests into a relational experience that allows inspiration and innovation to emerge. This is the Point of Relation. Our guest for today's episode is Dr. Angel Acosta. Dr. Angel Acosta is a contemplative social scientist, consultant, and educator in leadership, social justice, who earned his EDD in curriculum and teaching from Teachers College at Columbia University. He is the convener of the Healing Centered Education Summit, chair of the Acosta Institute, and director of the Garrison Institute's fellowship program. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Hello and welcome to the Point of Relation. My name is Thomas Hubel, and I'm sitting here with my good friend and um, looking forward to a wonderful conversation with Dr. Angela Costa. So, Angel, warm welcome to the Point of Relation. I'm happy you're here with us, and I'm looking forward to our conversation about AI and much more. So, warm welcome. Yeah, no, thank you so much, uh, brother. Congratulations on, on so much. Congratulations on launching the Collective Trauma Healing Summit, uh, another uh, wonderful and powerful curation of uh, not not just your your lineage and your wisdom and insight and intelligence, but that of others. So thank you for that. And then congratulations on this uh, this baby. Uh, this baby, mm. <laughs> um, and I, I know I haven't written a book myself beyond my 238 page uh doctoral dissertation, but I know how much labor it, it takes to produce that. Um, and I'm, I'm just really excited to, to see how attuned relates to uh healing collective trauma. Uh, your last text, um, and just kind of celebrating all the all the contributions, you know, I'm a big fan and uh, always trying to be in dialogue with you, even if uh, uh, from a distance, reading your work and following your work, but also when we have moments like this, where we can talk. Mm. First of all, likewise, I enjoyed all our conversations <laughs> and I am always very happy when we meet. I feel a lot of resonance with you, with your work, with what you stand for and what you what your spirit brings into the world mm. and um and every conversation i walk away kind of enriched and and i felt like our deep connection so um, i'm happy for our friendship and mm-hmm. for everything we give birth to when we speak and so mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to today and today 
Uh, actually, an impulse that came from you uh, that we explore, like the rise of AI and how that might be connected to attunement, to collective trauma, to many other topics. But maybe you what? Maybe you want to first share a little bit about your work for our readers to have to build the yeah. context, and then we can read a sorry for our listeners. And then <laughs> I thought I was thinking about the book before, so for our listeners, and then um, we can dive deeper into AI. Yeah, yeah. If it's okay, allow me to briefly uh, touch into just our relationship in terms of it, it, partly its history, but also its texture. Um, as you were talking, I was kind of sensing into the maturity that has happened. Every time we have an opportunity to do one-on-one -on -one, uh, conversation like this, I, I just got positively overwhelming feeling of how much we both have grown. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to acknowledge that. Uh, if, if you recall, we, we started to, to talk more intensely during the pandemic, after George Floyd, around a lot of the racial uh, justice and racial equity issues that were emerging outside in the collective, but also inside in both of our, both of our communities. And uh, I just want to say that I, I, I see how much you've grown. And I want to acknowledge that. Yeah, you know, as far as my work, I consider myself a healing-centered educator. Uh, and. Uh, a contemplative social scientist. So I have spent uh, about a decade uh, or more trying to uh, explore the relationship between mindfulness, social justice, and leadership. Um, my, my dissertation explored uh, healing-centered pedagogies uh, in the context of education, had a, had a lot of fun asking the question uh what are the conditions that people need to try to put in place in classrooms and organizations for people to thrive um but also to to heal maybe and restore uh relations and have had a, a really um exciting uh and um stimulating time trying to figure out answers to those questions and one of the things that that exploration has done is introduced me to people like you uh and formally i am the chair of the acosta institute which is the organization that i'm slowly building um and there we engage in healing centered education online um contemplative social research and what we try to call slow slow work um, and then I'm also the director of the fellowship program at the Garrison Institute in the Hudson Valley of New York. And there we support the next generation of contemplative leaders to think about their work and how it relates to social change, collective healing, and uh, the curation of contemplative wisdom in relation to scientific inquiry. So that's kind of a my elevator pitch, Thomas. Uh, so that all situates me uh, in just being someone who cares about what's happening in society, uh, but in particular what happens in the context of, 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 of social justice, uh, mindfulness, and, 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 and also technology as well. Mm, that's beautiful. 
So I hope I want to bless your work to grow and to really be an expression you. of your spirit and uh, just find find more and more ways into the world. I think you're doing great work. Mm. Um, and I want to also thank Otto, Otto Sharma because mm -hmm. one day Otto, Otto came to me and said, Thomas, you need to meet Angel. <laughs> and I said, okay, I will meet Angel. <laughs> if you say so, I will meet Angel. And it was fantastic. I think he had an amazing feeling. And uh, mm -hmm. so thank you, Otto, for bringing us together mm -hmm. and initiating our friendship. And so today I want to see, I mean, we are coming here together also playfully in a way to explore AI. And you, you came up with that uh, during one of our other conversations say let's let's talk about the eye more concentratedly and mm -hmm. um, so what what's in there for you what's it and then let's see how we both yeah. to ai and all the things that are going on around it yeah 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 for sure you know as we know artificial intelligence has been something that's been very present in the news cycle recently but also just very present in terms of just this, the development of our society in the last 50 years or more, uh, just that it becomes more intense now as, as these large language, this large language models and these uh, forms of AI, like generative AI are becoming deployed for the, the masses. Um, and, and from my understanding, I, I think this is a major evolutionary uh, moment uh, for the species. Um, I think from what I've read and what I understand from, from leading scholars, this moment is, is as significant, if not more, than the Industrial Revolution in terms of radically shifting uh, how we relate to, to work, but also how we relate to ourselves, how we relate, how we relate to information. And um, in light of that evolutionary um, potential, I think it's going to impact how we talk about the work that you and I are so interested in, in terms of collective healing, collective trauma, uh, conflict resolution, uh, just finding resonance and, and a sense of adaptability with a, a planet with growing challenges. Um, and in particular, there's so much, because of how fast this thing is unfolding, uh, and how much information there is around it um, with its potential to do harm and its potential to do good. There's so much fear around it. Uh, some fundamental expressions of that are seen in how people say that artificial intelligence will, will replace jobs. Um, some real consequences of different forms of AI is that it, it will reinforce inequality, it'll reinforce the wealth gap, it'll reinforce racial discrimination by the way that AI is deployed to police, to identify, through facial recognition, uh, sometimes falsely, to uh, give loans to people or to deny loans, um, to make medical diagnoses, uh, which will support, but also will misdiagnose um those who aren't legible to these pre-programmed and pre-trained models um so at, so at the core you i always see you as someone uh and many others 
who have spoken about um, evolutionary leaps. Uh, and I think you've been trying to walk us along, walk beside us, I think, to, to get to an evolutionary leap in terms of collective consciousness. That's really what I think you're trying to do. Uh, so thank you uh, for, 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 for holding our hands. <laughs> um, so I, so I just, I, I just found it an opportunity to talk to you a little bit about, I found it an incredible opportunity to talk to you about artificial intelligence, the fear around it, the potential around it, the enormity around this historical moment, and just your ability to talk from a collective place, the most trans-historical in nature. Yeah, that's beautiful. So first of all, thank you for initiating this and also opening this space. And um, yeah, I would love to maybe first bring a few components into our space that I think are all important when we talk about the collective evolution. Because for sure, I also see technology and the current develop technological development, including AI, as part of the acceleration of consciousness. And acceleration mm -hmm. means the acceleration of data, the acceleration mm -hmm. of process, and the acceleration also that every time we make a leap or we go to a new level in our consciousness development, there is an acceleration, which mm -hmm. is not the same as being fast because of stress. Mm -hmm. I think that's mm -hmm. very important because many people, when they hear acceleration, they think about, oh, it's getting even faster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but slowing down, because you talked about slow work before, that, mm -hmm. that acceleration is not a contradiction to slowing down. Because when we look mm -hmm. at trauma and collective trauma, I think the non-sustainable way of living is that a lot of processes at the moment in our bodies and in our psyches and in our societies that we create together are based on trauma stress, which means the whole system is too fast, but not because of the information or data flow, it's too fast because of too much stress. Mm -hmm. and, and that creates like that we are eating, like we are over consuming the resources of our own bodies. That's mm -hmm. not sustainable. That leads to health issues or mental mm -hmm. health issues. And then we are also exploiting nature because we can't do it any other way. Even if we have moral mm -hmm. patches telling us do it differently, we are still wired if you're in mm -hmm. this trauma stress to not live sustainably. I think that's why the sustainability movement, we need to look also at the inner non-sustainability. But I think, so that's, mm -hmm. that's, I think the trauma stress in our society is, is one element that needs actually slowing down in order to heal. Mm -hmm. But when consciousness rises, there is a, an effortlessness in, in a new level of data flow mm -hmm. and that acceleration I'm talking about. And I think mm -hmm. consciousness and technology have a, a meeting point there. The only 
two elements and uh, we can zoom into i'm um, curious what you think about this and then maybe we dive deeper into some of this so there's the trauma stress and the consciousness acceleration technology and then there is collective trauma creates a lot of fear we have mm -hmm. tons of unprocessed fear in in mm -hmm. our collective i call it in the dark lakes of our societies so the collective unconscious is full of fear and pain of unprocessed from the past. So that will inevitably come up in individuals and societies when all the time when new things are happening. So that we need to deal with that somehow. But there's a, a third component. I mean, there are many more maybe, but let's keep it for our conversation. There's another component that I often say, our ethical line of development is partly frozen in the permafrost of our unprocessed past. The pain mm -hmm. of our unprocessed past is like, it's like, like ice. Mm -hmm. And in that ice is the ethical evolution that we've never had because it's mm -hmm. frozen in there. So all the transgressions mm -hmm. that led up to trauma that is still stored in humanity, we mm -hmm. never got the ethical restoration. Mm -hmm. We never got the ethical update. And if, then we are thinking about it, but we can't live it mm -hmm. because it doesn't go through our embodiment. So we can mm -hmm. think, uh, write even books about, I don't know, the Holocaust or other traumas that are going on or, or racism, but it's still happening because it doesn't go in, it doesn't touch us in the deeper places. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think that's where, that's something we should talk about because mm -hmm. new levels of in, innovation without that ethical growth, that's mm -hmm. a, a delicate point, I would say, besides other yeah. things. I mean, it's a big topic, but let's see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, there's so much there, and um, this might have to be uh, a multi-part uh, uh, discussion. <laughs> the ethical piece that you point to is very much connected to the development and deployment of artificial intelligence um, with the ways in which some of these um, large language models break data from the internet or other sources oftentimes that people don't give consent to mm -hmm. um one uh who the the ways in which you know when you think about ai as a as an enormous force that can manifest in an example and giving an example a, a chat gpt or uh, any kind of uh, AI that you input data and can give you, can synthesize for you, can process for you, can do so much for you, whether it be produce images, produce video, translate, transcribe, uh, think with you in a sense, be a form of uh, intelligence. But how that process is actually connected to an assemblage and a network of 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 exploitation is suffering. So it's not just this, this software or this process that you can engage, but it's the 
thousands of people who had to code the fundamental data that ended up training the model at low wage labor. It was the the water that had to pull the computer um, fans and superconductors that produce the data in the first place. It was the digging of tunnels to produce the, the, the networks of fiber optic cables to connect us to the internet so there's this other superstructure uh, or infrastructure that has ethical implications in terms of our use of this technology that i think it's important to acknowledge because sometimes we talk about it as if as if ai is not a it's not an ai it's a network of of assemblages as some philosophers might might say uh, so that 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 that's interesting uh, to me, and then something you said around when consciousness evolves, there's an ease with which there's uh, a, a a seamless adaptation connection to maybe some some technological evolution, um, uh, and I, I think that was important for me to kind of uh, pull out because I don't think we're there. Uh, we're, we're, in terms of artificial, we're not at a place, at least most of us, I don't think we're in a place where there's a, our consciousness has been elevated enough for us, for us to really know how to use these exponential tools appropriately, ethically. And uh, as, I, as you mentioned before, the fear, the fear around whether these kinds of technologies are going to take over are going to create more harm. Uh, that fear is paralyzing. And I'll, I'll end by saying, I think there's something to your work and the work of your communities of working with that permafrost, working with that deep frozen trauma in the context of collective trauma that could inform how we process the frozen fear in response to the uncertainty relating to AI. Mm. That's my that's my thesis. Mm. I completely agree. I completely, <laughs> no, I completely agree. That's wonderful. I I also think you said so many beautiful things. So first of all, I like when when we look at trauma and we look at how trauma replays itself through anxieties, uncertainties, fears, all kinds of stuff that's coming up. That's like like a fog between us you know it's mm -hmm. like we can't fully see each other when it's playing mm -hmm. so there is fear like that happens when i don't know real threat comes into the room like, like a tiger mm -hmm. or i don't know a mm -hmm. terrorist or i don't know something mm -hmm. and you feel mm -hmm. okay you need to save your life or you need to mm -hmm. run away or do whatever you need to do and but often our fears are not connected to the real experience we have, but we are afraid. Some people are afraid to give talks publicly. Some people are afraid to take exams. Some people are afraid to like these fears are. Mm -hmm. So when we and often when new inventions come, then also those fears come up because our prediction models don't work in the same way. Mm -hmm. So every new stage is actually mm -hmm. a leap of courage to move. Mm. At the same time, I feel mm. when we integrate trauma, we have more sense, like a healthy sense 
that is a gut feeling, it's our heart feeling, it's our rational thinking, it's our spiritual connection, it's all and our ancestral connection all together create an alignment mm. that give us a sense of what's right and what's not right, also ethically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have actually two benefits from integrating that permafrost. One is we are more grounded and connected to the biosphere and the ecosystems that we are part of. So mm -hmm. we are more relational, more attuned, and we have less fears that are actually just the past replaying itself, and they are slowing down the process of innovation. But on the other hand, we have more sense and feeling to create things in the way they are needed in order to create less harm. We are not mm -hmm. too fast, we are not too steered by economy and money and success mm -hmm. and fame and all this, because we know the things need their time and the time that they need to be developed with less and less collateral damage of the shadow mm -hmm. that was in the motivation to start with. And I mm -hmm. think, so when you talk about um, like fear as an element, also the more we integrate trauma or collective trauma, the more we will be part of healthy innovation and we will have mm -hmm. a better sense of healthy innovation and healthy scientific breakthrough application, like how we mm -hmm. think genetic engineering, nanotechnology, artificial intelligence and whatsoever, a step further without creating a lot of bigger damage um, mm -hmm. and new cycles of re-traumatization that at the beginning, it seems we often don't see but mm -hmm. then later on, we see how the shadow of the past is going to come back, but just a bit more mighty. We saw it also with mm -hmm. social, you know, but it doesn't mean that the invention itself is, is good or bad. It's just a new mm -hmm. level of evolution. And, and the other thing I wanted to speak to is also, I want to point out something you already mentioned that, AI learns, first of all, how the data is being used is, is an ethical question and needs to be examined really deeply. I think that's, that's very true. AI learns from a system that is not even aware how mm -hmm. much it is not aware mm -hmm, mm -hmm, of mm -hmm, mm -hmm what it's not aware of. Mm -hmm. Like we are not aware of what we are not aware of. Mm -hmm. And we just see symptoms, conflicts here, war here, and the Middle East's on fire, and this is happening and this, like we, but we are not aware what are the components that create this. We're still connected to some superficial reasons sometimes, but not, to the real process that is outside of our awareness. So when, when our nervous system is not aware of some of the processes collectively, because they are mm -hmm. stored somewhere in the collective unconscious. So then, then AI as a, as a learning system is actually digesting or incorporating data mm -hmm. that looks through filters we see mm -hmm. those the racial biases with the and and mm -hmm. what and all the consequences that that will or might have if we don't correct it then um and that's 
one element that can have, that has severe traumatic impact, and then there are many others that, and I think that's what we also should talk about how machine learning is learning from a system or a data pool that has a lot of unconscious processes in the complexity. And sometimes people say, oh, complexity, you know, is unpredictable. And yeah, maybe that's true. But unconsciousness in complex systems very much amplify the unpredictability mm -hmm. of complex systems. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and I think that mm -hmm. needs to be included when we build artificial intelligence, like what kind of data are we learning from? And, and maybe what's the potential of a nervous, an artificial nervous system as a mirror mm -hmm. for our nervous system mm -hmm. that we are not aware of. So both. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious what do you think about it? Yeah, there's there's a lot there, man. There's a lot there. I wish I could rewind that. Um, and I will uh, after this. You know, I think that just to land on the last thing you said around kind of an artificial nervous system as a mirror, I think that's really powerful um, because in that in that mirror, uh, as you can, as you're pointing to, you can kind of trace the bias. You can trace what's being left out, um, what's what's being ignored, what's being amplified in terms of our fears or expectations. And that's a really big uh, kind of um, problem in terms of the bias that some of the developers and the coders um of some of these technologies bringing to bear and how that those biases um shape the behavior of uh of these ai and you know by extension of the metaphor that you just mentioned uh shape the collective nervous system of ai so i think there's a, there's a rich learning there for us to learn about what is it about us that would create the conditions for something that we created to behave in so limiting, in such limiting ways, um, and at the same time, at the same at the same time, Thomas, I, I want to also hold the potential that this can be an extraordinarily positive opportunity for us to leverage artificial intelligence to to aid us in on the one hand maybe processing our collective trauma uh, maybe refining our uh perspectives around what are we unconscious about like what would that look like what would it look like to develop artificial intelligence that's built to help us map our collective unconscious you know that's it's a question and i think that I've, I haven't asked that question before. I'm asking it because I'm talking to you and I'm thinking freshly uh, with you. But that question comes so naturally, partly I think because I've, I've spent a little bit of time processing my fear around AI. 
so much so, at least, or at least enough, that it allows me to hold both the the parts of it that may generate incredible levels of harm, but also ask certain kinds of certain kinds of questions around its potential in a positive way. And I think there's something there uh, around being grounded enough with this where we can both ask really powerful questions around its potential uh, to have uh, a positive impact on, on human evolution and how is it a tool for it. At the same time, you know, paying attention to how it can do the opposite and actually generate regression in terms of consciousness leaps uh, with the level of bias and, um, and, 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 and yeah, the level of bias that, that, that it can reproduce. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I think, and now as we are talking, I think we need a multi-episode <laughs> dialogue <laughs> because it's, uh, we are just getting started and already so many windows are open. I also made some notes for further <laughs> like conversations with you about this. I, I would love to have at least one or two more because we have a, a little bit time left. But um, I... I think, first of all, I'm all for it, as, as you said. I think it's just important for us to think in, in both ways. Like, what's the incredible mm -hmm. potential? Because I also see an incredible potential. I also mm -hmm. see an incredible potential for technology to take over a certain level of life sustenance on the planet mm -hmm. in a way mm -hmm. that frees up human consciousness to to other dimensions. I think that there's mm -hmm. something there about the evolution of our consciousness that uh, technology and the current development is here to support also. So I want to put this also in place. I don't want to just look at the shadow sides, as you said. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important because I think it's important that the learning happens because humanity is learning us being deeply committed to live and walk a life full of integrity vulnerability the correction of our own mistakes the willingness to learn constantly like the willingness to be deeply related and be updated from like conversations like this update me I, I, I always learn something new also in every group. I think that's a very important function to be always open and bow down to what life teaches us. But it seems like that that's a human function, but that's not only a human function, that also has a translation into the intelligence that we create. And I think that we are looking at AI already as something separate. Mm. And on the one hand, it's kind of, it's even a good process because it's like as if an alien were to land here, like an extra, mm -hmm. an extraterrestrial coach. <laughs> yeah. What would an extraterrestrial coach coach human? Like how, what would he, what would he teach us or she or it or whatever? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. they, um, I don't know, like how how would intelligence that comes from outside or 
that's a question mark too if we were this outside in that sense but and i think there is a moment of awakening that comes on the at the beginning through fear like in the other ring of artificial intelligence is also like a recognition of humanity's isness because suddenly, suddenly there's the beginning of another <laughs> that is there is othering within uh humanity but there is no other to humanity but now there mm -hmm. is another to humanity like it's oh it's artificial intelligence us and i think that's based on trauma but on the other hand it creates kind of a bit of an awakening and the, it grows a certain kind of perspective that is important but it's also important that we learn to transcend it and that we see all of our movements inevitably influence the future with mm -hmm. or without artificial intelligence we saw it the last thousands of years and it's gonna continue and i think that's that impulse that we all send into the future that is a design factor for the future is important and so our ethical ways of moving i think uh, are crucial because i don't think we are in a place that okay tomorrow ai is taking over and that's it i don't think that that's what's happening so it's it's very important how we are steering through this moment is also generating the outcome the outcome is not set thing and mm -hmm. yeah i think that that discussion I would like also to deepen. Another discussion, yeah. I, I, I want to open one more window and then we see how to tie them together and maybe come back and, and deepen some of them, um, is I think the issue that secular modernity has is that a very, very important function, the influence you want to say it with more secular terms of the future if you want to say it with more religious terms the divine god has an agency mm -hmm. it has an impact there's something downloading itself there's not something we are just going to experience also in a way higher consciousness has an impact on life all the time and mm -hmm. I think we see it with certain people, artists, luminaries, whatever inspirational forces in their fields or breakthroughs or communities that develop something. There is like an influence of the future. And we could say on the one hand, AI is also downloading itself into humanity mm -hmm. from somewhere. But mm -hmm. we could also say, there is something about life that has not only a bottom up, it has a top down mechanism. It has a vertical mm -hmm. line of mm -hmm. development. And, and I think it would be great for us. Maybe we can leave this as a cliffhanger <laughs> for <laughs> the next conversation. I would just like to hear your, your first uh, responses to this, because I'm aware we need to finish some uh, about the role of that influx of mm -hmm. information in mm -hmm. formation it puts something mm -hmm. in a form and um and how the relationship of ai and that vertical influx 
or mm-hmm. humanity and that vertical influx. I think mm-hmm. that's an amazing conversation to have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. You know, there's so much there um, around, as you said, the this the struggle and the challenge of, of secular modernity and its relation to the the divine or the spiritual. Um, so, so I I do think that the this moment of AI will generate uh, an existential crisis um, that's going to be generative. Uh, I, I welcome this discussion, uh, especially since I might be closer to secular modernity in terms of beliefs, uh, and 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 can can wrestle with uh, the, the role of spirit and the divine in a in a really productive way. Um, so yeah, I welcome it. And then I also say that what you said around, you know, maybe artificial intelligence can play a role in the way that we situate ourselves in response to it. I was recently in a conversation, a public conversation with some colleagues uh, from the, this organization called the House of Beautiful Business, uh, led by Tim Lebrecht uh, and a couple other colleagues. Uh, uh, there's some really powerful synergy between you and, and that and that organization. And we we had a conversation around uh, the question: Can can AI heal us? Can AI can artificial intelligence heal us? And it's it's definitely worth uh, checking that conversation out. But more importantly, that the the question is almost unanswerable. Like you can't answer it because it can do both. It can heal us. It can harm us. But what's important is, is that attempting to answer the question and attempting to really make sense of how our fears and our responses to this evolutionary moment in regards to artificial intelligence will push us to have conversations with each other around what does intelligence mean? What does humanity mean? How does our humanity change in the face of such evolutionary such an evolutionary moment. What does it say about our intelligence? And there, I think, by the pressure of having to respond to those dynamic questions, maybe, just maybe, we would come closer to each other, understand each other better, and and create the conditions to experience healing by an indirect consequence in the face of uh, a force like AI. Um, so, for example, the question you just asked around what is it about the divine, uh, the spiritual, or, or that which comes from beyond our senses that enters our lives, whether we can describe it, explain it, justify it, research it, uh, that very question is an example of how AI is pushing us to ask different questions, especially if we have the strength uh, and the fortitude to be in a rich dialogue like this. And then, and then, I'll, and then I'll, I'll, I'll give it back to you to say that I would like to uh, end this conversation by inviting you and myself to ask what are other questions that 
you would like to ask um, that you have been asking around this subject, and then let let that let those questions be kind of a little bit of a buffet <laughs> for us to kind of uh, think through uh, in future dialogues. I think can AI heal us? I mean, they will write this down. <laughs> And can can AI uh, contribute to the collective trauma healing? Um, I think that's a that's a very important question. Can and kind of a digital nervous system, as you said, AI is is the culmination of a long time of evolution and building. Mm -hmm. It's not just now the. Uh, the algorithms that we are able to program, it's also all that led up to that moment and will outrun that moment, I think is important. But is there a reflection? Can it uh, illuminate the collective unconscious? That's a great mm -hmm. question should come back to. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How about inspiration? Mm -hmm. What inspires AI? Is it a recombination mm -hmm. of data? Is it a lateral uh, recombination that has at the beginning a lot of power, but actually will burn its fuel over time? Or mm -hmm. can it just, you know, because if you recombine a lot of data, so mm -hmm. then you also, it looks like progress for some time, which it also is, but it's also a, a lateral dimension of progress. Is there a vertical dimension of progress? And what fuels that vertical dimension? Mm -hmm. And are we being enrolled as humans to be that vertical dimension of progress? Or is there a, a vertical dimension of progress just in large language models or any kind of evolution of that? I think that's an interesting mm -hmm. question to ask. Um, so what's the mm -hmm. what's the future whispering to AI, or how <laughs> does AI create its own future, and yeah. what is the the future that's calling AI or us as as living humans, or are we living as AI? So these are all great questions that I think is AI separate from human consciousness, or is it part of it? Are we all part of one? There are many questions I think we can ask. Yeah, we can talk uh, all day. And, <laughs> uh, and I, I think may, the question you said around the agency that the divine might have or that God might have uh, has been always a longstanding question in, in, in theology and in spiritual communities, regardless of where you stand around around god and 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 deities right so the you know whether god exists or not god exists or not um yeah there's always been a really provocative question around the agency the agential power of 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 of, of spirit of spiritual forces and then connecting to the point you named earlier around the limits of secular modernity of not having the, the language to talk about God's agency, not having enough language to talk about the, 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 the that vertical inspiration that can come through um, that might be uh, influencing AI. So here's what I'll leave you with. Um, 
that I, I think us wrestling with AI in terms of its potential agency, its potential evolution uh, might give us more language with which to talk about the agency that God might have and the agency that the divine might have. There's something there. There's something there that might help us uh, to think through that. Um, I'm I'm already feeling really enriched by by that by that kind of exercise uh, and thinking. Uh, so it's 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 it's. it's I welcome that question. I think we should definitely ask it even more. And then, as far as questions that I have, you know, I'm curious to know what AI can teach us about humanity. Uh, maybe not directly teaching us, to, but what, it, what, what, what does our response to AI tell us about who we are, who and what we are, our nature, our limitations, our potential? I, I'm interested in that question. I'm also interested in what will be the consequences of uh, this kind of technology, if goes unchecked, um, and also what happens to technology when it is made available to communities that have been historically ignored or marginalized. Um, what what is that technology? What can that technology do, both materially, maybe spiritually, maybe emotional? Um, yeah, you know, just so much, brother. I'm just really curious about uh, this moment. And uh, I think it's a moment where, in light of the, this is my closing response, in light of the fact that artificial technology can do so much thinking for us, it'll be the true testament of those of us committed to, to change and transformation to try to keep are thinking as fresh as possible. <laughs> Amen. So hopefully, so hopefully, so hopefully one day I don't encounter a Thomas Hubel AI. <laughs> 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 and I make the mistake, and I make the mistake of thinking that it's actually you. <laughs> I think this uh powerful words to close yeah. our conversation for today angel it's a yeah it's a joy it's fun it's deep it's inspiring thank you so much for this and we will have a part two and a part whatever let's see how much we need i'm very open to continue this and we have lots of questions to leave in the space for everybody who's tuning in right now please uh, the questions will work in all of us and then we come back Thank you so much. My pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Point of Relation with Thomas Hoover. Stay connected by visiting our website, pointofrelationpodcast.com, and by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a positive rating and review and share about us with your community on social media. Thank you. We appreciate your support.